Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Monday, May 22nd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, just a beauty on the way. High 74. Tonight, overnight, clear, low 56. And then Tuesday, much of the same. Sun clouds, just a little cooler, high 69. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 58 and clear in Belmore, out on Long Island. 55 and clear in Keyport, down in New Jersey. And it's 58 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. 6 o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Everybody, of course, watches TV in their own way now. I mean, rarely do I watch something in real time unless it's a sporting event. So I'm I'm always a little behind because of my schedule. You know, I go to bed early, and so I'm not really a weekday nighttime TV watcher. So I catch up a lot of times on the weekend when I can. So it was probably about 1 in the morning on Saturday that I finally had a chance to sit down and catch up on my favorite shows. Now, I realize this is the golden age of TV, but I am not watching the golden age of TV programs. I'm watching the pure trash. So I've been a real Housewives of New Jersey fan for a long time, and this has been like the hugest of seasons. You don't have to watch the show to know exactly what's going on, but there's one couple, Joe and Melissa, and uh, Joe's sister-in-law, Teresa, is getting married. And so the whole season this season is leading up to the marriage and whether Joe and Melissa will go to Teresa's wedding. They're not getting along. I don't need to go into a lot of detail, but that's the whole crux of this season is will Joe and Melissa go to his sister-in-law's wedding? And so they get to this final scene of this is and I'm watching this is like one thirty five in the morning. So I'm watching this and they get to the final scene of this episode and the man that Teresa is marrying shouts out, well, Bo Deedle knows all the answers. He's got all the answers. And then the episode ends. And I'm like, wait a minute, Bo Deedle's got the answers. So is he investigating everybody on Real Housewives of New Jersey? Did someone call him in to do his private eye, his detective work? And I was like, okay, will Bo Deedle be up at 1.40 in the morning? Because I got to know what's going on. So I pull out my phone and I'm like, I don't know. Is he going to be pissed at me if I call him at one? I think it was like 142 when I looked at my phone. I was like, no, I can't do this. So I then just turned on what is my other obsession right now, which is another dopey reality show. I know there's great stuff on TV, but have you been watching Jury Duty on Amazon? Uh, maybe I'm a little uh, late to this one, but if you haven't, uh, it is a 
guy who's been told that he's going to be followed uh, on jury duty by cameras so they can see what the whole process of jury duty is like and that everybody else is going to be followed as well. But what he doesn't know is this is one guy, Ronald Gladden. He's the only person who's not in on this joke. So the camera is going to follow what is a completely made up scene. So everybody else on his jury is an actor. Everybody else who's part of the court case is an actor. And they follow this guy around. And I'm only a couple episodes in, but I completely glued. I'm not sure how this all works out, but, uh, that's the other ones. And then I was, by the time I went to bed, which is crazy because I get up at two in the morning. Now I'm up at three in the morning watching this dopey show. But, uh, you know how it is. You go from one episode to the next episode to the next, uh, next episode. It's so easy to do, but I highly recommend that one as well. And when I talk to Bo Deedle today, if you don't want to be to be ruined for it, I won't. But when I do, I'll release the details tomorrow of what he was doing on Real Housewives of New Jersey. I can't wait to find out. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. The migrant mess only gets bigger over the weekend. Doctors and residents at local hospital going to walk off the job. A tragic fall for a nine-year-old boy in the Bronx. This could be the week the race for the White House gets a whole lot more crowded. And a 12-year-old shows off just how smart she really is. All right, let's get into it. 5.05, we'll start out in Queens. Resident physicians at Elmhurst Hospital in Queens say they're set to go on a five-day strike starting this morning. We could not get confirmation if this is going to happen. And In fact, we were getting word one way or another. So we're going to assume these guys are walking off the job because that's what they told us late last night. They're demanding that Mount Sinai, who runs their training program and signs their checks to pay them the same wages as their counterparts here in Manhattan, roughly 170 residents say they plan to walk off the job in about two hours from now. We want pay that will uh, sustain us so that we can pay our rent, so that we can eat in the community that we live in, so that we can buy groceries. These doctors say they're paid about $7,000 less each year than the non-unionized residents at Mount Sinai's maiden campus in Manhattan, Elmhurst. Of course, is a public hospital, but the nearly 200 resident physicians are part of a training program run by Mount Sinai. So they say they should get the same payday. I was there during the pandemic in the epicenter of the whole world at one point. We deserve recognition basically just by paying us equally. State Senator Jessica Ramos, she was out with this group yesterday as they were making the final decision to walk off the job. And she says, yeah, these doctors deserve a whole lot more than they're getting, especially after all they went through during the pandemic. Remember how Elmhurst was, uh, it was uh, the epicenter, ground zero of COVID in the early days, and they say these doctors deserve a whole lot more. We owe these doctors the best possible benefit and wage package so that they can take care of their families, so they can continue taking care of ours. Yeah, so we'll be watching this story closely this morning. Again, as uh, we came to air this morning, we were told that these doctors were going to walk off the job. We'll let you know at 7 o'clock if they actually follow through with that. WABC Newstime 509, the migrant mess just getting bigger by the day. Mayor Adams believes New York City unfairly carrying the weight for caring for the migrants who cross the U.S.-Mexico border, saying the responsibility should fall on more cities throughout the U.S. The feds now have given New York City about $30 million towards 
uh, caring for the migrants. But the mayor says that's nowhere near the price tag it's costing the city. We've spent uh, over a billion dollars. We're projected to spend uh, close to $4.3 billion, if not more. Uh, these estimate was based on a number of migrants coming to the city. And those numbers have clearly increased. We are get, we received in several days last week alone uh, over 900 migrants on days. Uh, a week, over two weeks ago, approximately 4,200 in one week. When you look at the price tag, uh, $30 million comes nowhere near what this city is paying for a national problem. And Adams has been trying to get upstate counties across New York to take in the migrants, and it's been a real battle. We believe the entire state should participate in a decompression strategy, and it's unfortunate uh, that there has there have been some lawmakers in counties that are not carrying on their role of ensuring that this is a decompression strategy throughout the state. And over the weekend, more buses filled with migrants arriving at the Roosevelt Hotel, which has become the big processing center here in the city. The city's commissioner of immigrant affairs says they're just overwhelmed by the numbers coming in. We don't know if this is something we can sustain for much longer. In many ways, we have bailed out the federal government. They would have more of a crisis on their hands. They would have children, families sleeping in the streets if it was not for New York City stepping up. And New Yorkers, well, there's a whole bunch of different thoughts on the part of New Yorkers about whether we should take them in or not. We're not going to do anything about it, right? We can't. Politicians are just going to do what they want to do, and that's it. They're taking the resources away from here for people who really need it and can't afford it anymore. And then the outlying counties, uh, you had Nassau County saying, no, we're not going to take the migrants in. Out in Suffolk County, lawmakers have announced their own plan to stop New York from sending migrants there. And it doesn't seem to be very popular. Let's get the latest now from WABC's Alex Barnard, who joins us live. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noam. And yes, that's right. Legislators announced Sunday that they are hiring an attorney to potentially pursue a lawsuit preventing the city from placing migrants in Suffolk County hotels, whether or not the county executive takes matters into his own hands. Oh, where is my... Why is this not working? Uh-oh. That's weird. All I'm right. playing a sound bite. Well, what's, what you're supposed to be hearing is a legislator by the name of Kevin McCaffrey. Let me see if that. Let me see if this one works. Man, nothing is working. Oh, right. I can try. Here, you. how about this? This is not an anti-immigration stance. Yes, it is. We recognize... It's perfect. Yes, well, they, yeah, that's about close enough to what I was trying to get at. Um, let's see here. <laughs> The uh, unfortunately, the 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 announcement of the plan was met with a flurry of protesters who made their voices heard. And at, as you could hear in that clip there, they were oftentimes making their voices louder than the legislators themselves. Um, but in a statement on Sunday, the mayor's office responded to Suffolk County, saying we need counties, cities and towns across the state to do their part as well, especially when New York City is willing to pay for shelter, food and more. Yeah, you know, I, I saw this uh, Congressman Nicola Loda um, uh, blaming New York City for welcoming the migrants and sheltering them. And you had these lawmakers out in Suffolk County saying, you know, why should we take on the burden? Here's a little bit of what they had to say. Although we have no direct contact with officials from New York City, we have heard through media reports they are contacting hotel owners on a regular basis throughout Suffolk County to house those unvetted immigrants and asylum seekers, thereby passing the course of providing services to the taxpayers of Suffolk County. 
Yeah, uh, Alex, I don't know if you uh, knew this, but uh, you know who tipped them off to the fact that uh, the migrants might be coming their way? Do you do you know who that is? No, tell me. Curtis Lewa. Really? Yeah. Wow. Curtis has done this omen job of uh, finding out some of the places where these migrants are going by doing some deep dives, doing some searches online and figuring out these LLCs and companies that own these hotels and then tipping them off. And that's what happened out in Suffolk County. They were going to send them out to Riverhead, but the Riverhead town supervisor tipped off by her own Curtis Lewa that they were coming and she put a state of emergency in effect. And so the migrants weren't able to go there. And now you have... Uh, as you were alluding to, the other Suffolk County lawmakers saying they don't want them there as well. Um, I have one more bite you can listen to here. These people coming here and they think they're entitled. There's no entitlement. I got no entitlement. A level of hatred that I've heard in this room today, it's really um, upsetting. Yeah, so uh, the word is what? They're, so far, the migrants haven't showed up in any part of Suffolk County. Do we know for sure? It, it appears that the uh, a bunch of hotels had gotten written requests for or calls from the city to house migrants, and they were notifying the uh, the executive, the county executive of that. All right, WABC's Alex Barnard, thank you very much. Uh, migrants being bussed in from New York City, arriving at the Red Roof Plus Inn Hotel in Poughkeepsie. This was late yesterday afternoon amid a state of emergency in Dutchess County. The Poughkeepsie Hotel is one in many locations. Mayor Adams has planned to bus migrants from Manhattan in order to make room for more incoming migrants. I'm reminded of the time doing Jim Crow with my own... Oh, I should point out, these are people who welcomed the migrants to the hotel. I'm reminded of the time doing Jim Crow with my own family came from the South and migrated north for a better life and an opportunity. So I am in full support of that. All right, we'll get a little bit more into this migrant crisis. Uh, hear from the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, and more from some outlying counties that say, well, the couple that are welcoming the migrants, others that are saying they don't want them. We'll get into that as the morning wears on. But first, 515, uh, first check of sports, and we'll go to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Allen. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, Noam Aladen. Happy Monday morning there. We'll start here in Cincinnati. The Yankees beat the Reds 4-1 to to complete the three-game weekend sweep and move their current win streak to four games. Luis Severino made his return from a strained Latin muscle and was very solid in his season debut, allowing one run on four hits through four and two-thirds innings pitched. After it seemed like the offense might leave Sebi hanging, Harrison Bader shot some life into the bats with this two-run jack in the fifth. This one hit well to left, and it carries all the way out of here. A two-run home run for Harrison Bader, and on one swing, the Yankees go from down one to up one. That call courtesy of the Yes Network. Glibert Torres would add a solo shot to go along with an Anthony Volpe RBI double, and the Yanks look to stay hot when they welcome the Baltimore Orioles tomorrow after an off day today in Queens. The Mets stayed hot as well, sweeping the Cleveland Guardians in a doubleheader yesterday to bring their current win streak to four as well. They won the first game 5-4 behind six shutout innings from Max Scherzer and homers from Marte and Nimmo and rounded out the sweep with a 2-1 victory in game two behind a gem from Justin Verlander and a big game-tying solo shot in the sixth off the bat of Francisco Lindor. Now two games over 500. The Mets are in a much different place than they were in uh, at this point last week with sole possession in second place in the NL East. Just five games back of the first place Braves. They get rewarded with an off day today as well 
before heading to Chicago for a three-game set with the Cubs starting tomorrow night. The Heat throws the Celtics 128-102 in Miami to take a commanding 3-0 series lead in the Eastern Conference Finals tonight. The Nuggets will try to close out the Lakers in Game 4 of the Western Conference Finals, up three games to none. They'll look to complete the sweep and punch their ticket to the NBA Finals. In hockey, the Golden Knights beat the Stars 3-2 in overtime to take a 2-0 series lead in the West Final. Tonight, the Hurricanes and Panthers will drop the puck for Game 3 of the East Final at 8 p.m. Florida currently holds a two-games-to-none series lead. And Brooks Kepko wins the 2023 PGA Championship at 9 under par at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. To win marks Kepka's third PGA Championship title as well as his fifth major and national treasure wins the Preakness Sticks. Here were sports on 77 WABC. 519, let's get back into this migrant story. The In Dutchess County, the Dutchess County Executive William O'Neill, uh, wants to interfere with Mayor Adams' plans to send migrants there. He declared a state of emergency, but 40 migrants did arrive at a red roof in Poughkeepsie over the weekend. The town of Wappinger Chair, Robin Lakari, on hand to welcome them. New York City is paying for these rooms and one meal a day for at least four months. Yes, yeah, so uh, Lakari says uh, she has a different attitude than most about the migrants arriving here. Uh, I've heard a lot of negativity, okay? And uh, the truth is I just wanted these people to be welcomed with warm hearts. Sullivan County officials, they're not happy about the busloads of migrants from the Big Apple that rolled into the Knights Inn Hotel in Liberty. I mean, these are human beings we're talking about here. And then we're just scattershotting them all through upstate New York. Yeah, he said uh, that's uh, the Sullivan County lawmaker, Robert Doherty, who says uh, he wasn't told too far ahead of time that those migrants would be arriving. And then you had a lot of moments like these. And I'm guessing this is being played out at hotels across the city. So Sean Cullen gets off a plane from Minnesota and he heads to the Long Island City Holiday Inn to where he had booked to stay like a month earlier he gets there there's a note on the door that says no we're not taking any guests in because they're housing migrants and members of the national guard and the hotel's totally booked he said he got no message from the hotel and had to try to figure out where he was going to stay and when checking in i was greeted with staff in tears uh national guard in the room and advised that it's no longer a hotel and it's a government building yeah, Cullen says he had booked the room weeks in advance, and he wants to know why the hotel never got in touch with him. And he guesses, and so do I, this is happening to a lot of other people who are coming to the city for a vacation. It was awful. Awful for me. It was awful for my guests who flew from Australia 38 hours to sit in a lobby for seven hours and no action from my HG. Now, my impression of New York City is is that hotel and that experience. Yeah, it's a huge deal, especially with the summer season coming. So many tourists already here, others on their way. Mayor's office says the city's using more than 150 hotels to shelter more than 41,000 migrants. That's over 40% of the hotel rooms in the city. That's crazy. And then down at the U.S.-Mexico border, Texas Governor Greg Abbott praising the efforts of the men and women who are guarding the border with Mexico. This is the state of Texas, and we have every right uh, to secure our border, and that's exactly what we are doing. Guardsmen from Florida, Idaho, arriving on the Texas border have been, will do so in the coming days, staying a few weeks to help in the effort to turn back illegal border crosses. The numbers 
have gone from 2,700 daily encounters down to 20 a day in Texas. So you get the sense that the flow of migrants being bust here hopefully will go down as the weeks go on. Here's more from Governor Greg Abbott. We're working around the clock to make sure that we build the barriers that are needed to make sure that we secure the border. They have turned back tens of thousands of people who are trying to cross the border illegally. And a new CBS News poll finds Americans who are receptive to the idea of temporarily accepting migrants into their cities depends on their politics and where they live. You might not be shocked by this. About 52 percent of Americans favored housing migrants in their city, but only 37 percent thought their city had the facilities to be able to do so. Democrats were more willing to accept migrants than Republicans who were mostly opposed. 523, there's lots of other stuff going on. President Biden uh, says the U.S. and the G7 countries are addressing a wide range of issues. He came home early from that G7 summit to deal with the debt ceiling, but here he was over the weekend. Climate change, food security, gender inequality, economic resilience, digital connectivity, and global security. We're tracking these challenges together, and I think we're beginning to make some important progress. The president making his remarks at this weekend's G7 summit in Japan, which he left early to deal with the debt ceiling negotiations going on in Washington with the June 1 deadline coming awfully fast. You had the White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, admitted both sides still really fall apart. There's no question we have serious differences And this is going to continue to be a difficult conversation. That's not lost on us. But the president's team is going to continue to work hard towards a reasonable bipartisan solution. And then we get this blame game that has been going on ever since the president blaming Republicans, saying they're not coming to the table with real ideas. I can't guarantee that they wouldn't force a default by doing something outrageous. I can't guarantee that. But the president uh, believes that Republicans will not let a default happen because they don't want to get the blame. I think we have the authority. The question is, could it be done and invoked in time that it could not would not be appealed and as a consequence past the date in question and still the fall of the debt? Everybody weighing in, including Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, says there's some hard choices to make and they have to be made awfully quick. We take the debt ceiling seriously as a constraint on our ability to pay bills that are coming due. There can be no acceptable outcomes if the debt ceiling isn't raised, regardless of what decisions we make. Senator Ted Cruz says the possible use of the 14th Amendment to raise the debt ceiling is frivolous, legally frivolous. Speaking on Fox News Sunday, the Texas Republican was referring to a constitutional amendment that would allow President Biden to raise the debt ceiling without congressional approval. Cruz says the president can't avoid a default by saying the U.S. will commit to paying the interest on the debt. Cruz also noted that when Barack Obama was president, he rejected using the 14th Amendment to raise the debt ceiling. I'm Mark Mayfield. Yeah, your eyes kind of rolled to the back of your head a little bit with all this debt ceiling stuff. You get the sense they'll get it done before June 1, but uh, we don't know. Today is uh, May 22nd. Uh, They just have a few more days to get that deal done. 526. There have been more deaths now reported from those contaminated eye drops with a rare strain of potentially deadly bacteria. 
The FDA continues to urge all Americans to immediately discard any so-called artificial tears eye drops distributed by Ezra Care and Delsum Pharma. Officials say the number of those killed by a rare drug-resistant bacteria found in the eye drops is up to at least four, while at least 81 people across 18 states have suffered vision loss because of the contamination. Fourteen have been blinded, while four others had to have their eyeballs surgically removed. The Ezra Care products were manufactured by Global Pharma Healthcare in India and sold mostly online. I'm Scott Carr. Yeah, the part of the problem is people have this in their cabinet and they haven't heard word that Ezra Care could cause potential blindness, even death. And, you know, it is. You have stuff in your cabinet. You don't really look too too much at it. And then you use it. But uh, And they think that's what's going on here. So they're trying to get the word out to throw that stuff out. we got a lot more to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour. Sit-in friends in the morning. A tragic weekend for kids. Just awful. We'll tell you about a 9-year-old killed in a fourth-story fall from a window. Those two boys who went missing in the Bronx, we have more, or rather Manhattan, we have more details details on them a shooting in staten island a 13 year old just an awful story but it's not all bad news we'll tell you about some great stuff that the boy scouts are doing and a 12 year old who's doing amazing things we'll get into that and more but first this at 5 30 the 77 wabc news hour talking the news with noah laden on 77 wabc Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yeah, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Monday, May 22nd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sunshine today, just beautiful. High 74. Tonight, overnight, clear, low 56. We'll do it all over again tomorrow, Tuesday, sun and clouds. A little cooler, but just beautiful again. High 69. If you're walking out the door with us right now, it's 58 and clear in Belmore out on Long Island, 55 and clear in Keyport in New Jersey, and it is 57 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour right here in the city. Uh, just awful story out of the Bronx. A nine-year-old boy killed after he fell from a fourth-story window in the Bronx. This was in the Mount Hope section of the Bronx about 4 o'clock yesterday. Investigators believe the boy climbed up on the air conditioner, somehow wiggled out the window, and then fell to his death from the apartment. Screaming, calling the nine- I see people screaming, calling the 911. A close relative says the child had autism, was nonverbal, had been adopted by this mother who said everybody said was a fantastic mother. She uh, had been working with him since adopting him. The mother also cared for other foster children in her Bronx apartment as well. And they say just a terrible moment. They Nobody should blame the mother. He was a friendly kid. It's just crazy. A young, a young age. Nah, it's... Not good. Yeah, and unfortunately, just the tragedy with kids does not end there. Over the weekend, the NYPD says a body found in the Hudson is that of 11-year-old Alpha Barry. He was one of the two kids, you remember, who went missing in Manhattan over a week ago. Someone cycling along the Hudson saw the body on shore Saturday. All I saw was from about mid-back to head. It was a black, black hooded sweatshirt. It was just very distinctly there was something in it. 
The body of Barry's friend, 13-year-old Garrett Warnin, was pulled from the river on Thursday. The two boys were last seen together in Harlem on May 12th. Someone actually called 911 on that day to report that the two boys, or they saw two boys in the river. At the point, that point, we didn't know it was these two boys, but clearly it was. Law been very close to mommy, always helping mommy do the work at the house. Me and mommy doing grocery, or doing the laundry, or doing cookie cleaning the house. You understand? Every time, give mommy, you know, goodbye kids when you're going to school. So that's what happened on Friday. Yeah, so Garrett Warren, the autopsy came back from him. He died from drowning. The thought is the 11-year-old, it'll be the same thing. So what were they doing the river? Not clear. But as the families get ready to bury the two boys, uh, we find out that there was a busted fence that they got through to get to the Harlem and Hudson Rivers. Um, and this was near 145th Street Bridge. It's not really clear exactly where they went in, but either way, maybe they were just going for a swim and they caught up, caught up in the current, which is awfully fast up there and passed away, but awful. And, um, the, unfortunately, it's just more awful stuff, but let's get through it. NYPD cops searching for a gunman who shot a 13 year old in the head on Staten Island as the kid was playing basketball. This was Friday afternoon. The teen took the bullet as he was out with his friends. It's just so much going on out here, man. Um, you know, we need we need help, you know, and that's why we're we're doing this work yeah. because it's necessary the work in the schools. It's it's to stop this from happening before it gets here. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we don't win every battle, but um this is this is what we're dealing with right now. So he's an 8th grader who attends the Eagle Academy Charter School. That's right near or right next to where the shooting took place on the basketball court. Very energetic kid, you know, just out having fun on a beautiful day like a normal 13-year-old does. Yep, this is what we're finding out uh, as we came to the air this morning. Family telling us that the child is brain dead. So uh, thought is at some point he might be taken off life support. Uh, just awful story out of Staten Island. The t- the gunman is believed to be a teenager as well. So far, police have not caught up with him. 536, the man charged in the subway chokehold death of Jordan Neely addressing the criticism that it was racially motivated. Daniel Petty, charged with manslaughter, the ex-Marine who's white, told the New York Post that it had nothing to do with color of Neely's skin. Neely was black. Penny says he also believes footage showing what led up to the incident will prove that he was right and that uh, he will be eventually uh, found not guilty of this crime. WABC News Time 536. While we're talking about the subways, a woman stable condition after being shoved into the side of a Manhattan subway car. This happened yesterday. Platform of the 63rd Street Lexington Avenue station on the Upper East Side. 42-year-old victim was taken to Cornell Hospital. Cops looking for the man who ran after shoving her. Uh, people who are on this platform say there was nothing that happened in the moments before this woman was shoved into the side of a train, that it was just a random crime, no words, and then she was shoved into this train. Thankfully, she is going to be okay in stable condition this morning. WABC News Time 539, a SpaceX rocket successfully launching from Florida's Kennedy Space Center Sunday afternoon. Successful liftoff of Falcon 9 from Space Launch Complex 4 East at the Vandenberg Space Force Base. We're carrying the Iridium OneWeb satellites uh, into that's... orbit. Uh, Well, four passengers, including three paying passengers on this Falcon 9 rocket, are now headed to the International Space Station. Two, one, engines full power. 
And liftoff, Falcon 9, go Axiom. Copy, what Alpha? Together we expand what is possible in low Earth orbit. Ad Astra and Godspeed AX-2. Yeah, the AX-2 mission will make history as a stem cell researcher becomes the first woman from Saudi Arabia to travel into space. Also marks just the second all-private mission to the orbiting outpost. A former U.S. Marine detained in Russia, remaining hopeful about a return back here to the U.S. Paul Whelan told CNN on Sunday that he's positive and confident that the wheels are turning towards his release. He's added that he's been told the U.S. government is working tirelessly to get him out. The ex-Marine has been in a Russian jail since 2018 and was sentenced to 16 years in prison on an espionage charge that he denies. U.S. officials have declared Whelan wrongfully detained, along with American journalist Evan Gershkovich, who's also being held in Russia. I'm Mark Mayfield. All right, let's bring it back home. City Council proposing a bill that would now license restaurants to operate outdoor permanently. Broadway sheds will be permitted from April to November, while sidewalk tables will be allowed year-round. Mayor Adams says the temporary open restaurants program saved 100,000 jobs at the height of the pandemic. There are nearly 13,000 restaurants participating in the open restaurant program. The city council will vote on the bill next month. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. Let's go out to Long Island, Nassau County. Lawmakers again asked to deny plans to build a casino near the Nassau Coliseum. Members of the Say No to Casino Civic Association rallying at the Nassau Legislative Building yesterday to urge county lawmakers to vote no today. The positive impacts of a casino on neighboring communities are few. But the negative impacts are significant and substantial. Nonpartisan group argues that the negative impacts of a casino far outweigh any revenue gains. They're worried the casinos could lower the value of their homes. Were you listening to the Cats Roundtable here, 77 WABC yesterday? Senator South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham giving an exclusive, uh, exclusive interview to John Castamatidis, a wide-ranging interview. Uh, they talked about a whole bunch of things. Uh, the Republican senator talking about how the nation is going in the wrong direction right now. If we don't shut down our border and gain control, we're going to lose our sovereignty. Iran is marching toward a nuclear weapon. We're talking about cutting defense, which is insane. Economic growth is stalled. Energy independence has been lost. I think we're in a world of hurt. Senator Dianne Feinstein, she returned to Capitol Hill last week uh, in a wheelchair after just this long bout with shingles. Uh, Senator Graham uh, telling John that he's good friends with her and wishes her well. She's been a friend. We're politically on the opposite side of the aisle. I've worked with her on immigration and other things. She's a dear person. She is suffering, and, and, and it hurts. I don't, I'll pray for Diane. You can hear the entire interview with the South Carolina Senator, Lindsey Graham, making the comments right here at WABCRadio.com. Uh, while we're talking the senator and politics, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis expected to jump into the 2024 race for the White House just in the coming days. Uh, he's trying to garner all the friends that he can. One of them is Senator John Cornyn, who Texas, who says he's in the Ron DeSantis camp. President Trump's time has passed him by. And I think what's the most important thing to me is that we have a candidate who can actually win. But every poll shows Trump up by an enormous amount over DeSantis. But maybe things will change when DeSantis jumps in. At least uh, Senator Cornyn thinks they will. I don't think President Trump understands that when you run in a general election, you have to appeal to 
voters beyond your your base. And it's about to get a whole lot more crowded. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez uh, telling CBS yesterday that he's much, much closer to deciding about a run for the White House in 2024. The clock is ticking. I mean, it's a soul-searching process uh, with my family. And every single day uh, we talk about it, my wife and I. And then you have uh, Governor Chris Christie. Uh, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott expected to get in today. Governor Chris Christie could be in the coming days. According to the Post, the report came from New Hampshire Today host Chris Ryan, who cited multiple sources with direct knowledge. The report says the Christie campaign will focus on New Hampshire and have the financial backing of billionaire New York Mets owner Steve Cohen. Cohen was a major backer of Christie's 2016 run for president. Christie serves on the board of directors of the New York Mets. I'm Bob Brown for 77 W. WABC News. WABC News Time 544. A construction company owner in Arizona facing charges worldwide backlash after he was seen slapping a female worker. The viral TikTok video shows Brent Hoffelson, owner of the uh, Scottsdale Comp Construction Company, going on a verbal tirade, then hitting this worker at a Phoenix job site. Get the f- out of my building right now. Yikes. Get the f- Hoffesarn berates the employee over a scratched cabinet, but the worker stood her ground. Phoenix police have charged Hoffesarn with assault. Uh, he's a lot more famous today than he was just a couple weeks ago. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk and Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Noam Laden. We begin here in Cincinnati. The Yankees beat the Reds 4-1 to to complete the three-game weekend sweep to move their current win streak to four. Games. Luis Severino made his return from a strained lat muscle and was very solid in his season debut, allowing one run on four hits through four and two-thirds innings pitch. After it seemed like the offense might leave a Sebi hanging, Harrison Bader shot some life into the bats with this two-run jack in the fifth. This one hit well to left, and it carries all the way out of here. A two-run home run for Harrison Bader, and on one swing, the Yankees go from down one to up one. That call courtesy of NBC. Glibert Torres would add a solo shot to go along with an Anthony Volpe RBI double. And the Yankees look to stay hot when they welcome in the Baltimore Orioles tomorrow. After an off day today out in Queens, the Mets stayed hot as well, sweeping the Cleveland Guardians in a doubleheader yesterday to bring their current win streak to five. They got what they paid for in Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Uh, they won the first game 5-4 to four behind six shutout innings from Scherzer and homers from Marte and Nimmo. And rounded out the sweep with a 2-1 to one victory in game two behind HM from Verlander and a big game-tying solo shot in the sixth off the bat of Francisco Lindor. Now two games over 500. The Mets are in a much different place than they were in at this point last week with sole possession of second place in the NL East and just five games back for the first place Braves. They get rewarded with an off day today as well before heading to Chicago for a three-game set with the Cubs starting tomorrow night. The Heat roasted the Celtics 128-102 to in Miami to take a commanding 3-0 lead in the Eastern Conference Finals. Tonight the Nuggets will try to close out the Lakers in Game 4 of the Western Conference Finals up Three games to none. They'll look to complete the sweep and punch their ticket to the NBA Finals. In hockey, the Golden Knights beat the Stars 3-2 in overtime to take a 2-0 series lead in the West Final. Tonight, the Hurricanes and Panthers will drop the puck for Game 3 of the East Final at 8 p.m. Florida currently holds a two-games-to-none series lead. And Brooks Koepka wins the 2023 PGA Championship at 9 under par at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. The win marks Koepka's third PGA Championship title as well as his fifth major. And out at Freakness Stakes 2023, your winner, National Treasure. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellick.
Let's catch you up on the big headlines of the morning. We'll go out to Elmhurst Hospital, where resident physicians there say they're set to go on a five-day strike in about an hour from now. They're demanding Mount Sinai, who runs their training program and signs their checks, to pay them the same wages as their counterparts here in Manhattan. About 170 residents say they'll walk off the job. We want pay that will uh, sustain us so that we can pay our rent, so that we can eat in the community that we live in, so that we can buy groceries. The doctors say they're paid about $7,000 less each year than the non-usinized residents at Mount Sinai's main campus here in Manhattan. Elmhurst, of course, a public hospital, but the nearly 200 resident physicians are part of a training program that's run by, uh, by Mount Sinai. Hi was there during the pandemic in the epicenter of the whole world at one point. We deserve recognition basically just by paying us equally. So we've been told 7 a.m. they'll walk off the job. The other big story, which continues just to be bigger by the day, Mayor Adams believes New York City unfairly carrying the weight for caring for the migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border, saying the responsibility should fall on more cities throughout the nation. The feds have given New York City now about $30 million towards caring for the migrants, but the mayor says that's nowhere near what the price tag is costing the city. We've spent uh, over a billion dollars. We're projected to spend close to $4.3 billion, if not more. Uh, These estimate was based on a number of migrants coming to the city, and those numbers have clearly increased. We are get, we received in several days last week alone uh, over 900 migrants on days. Uh, a week, over two weeks ago, approximately 4,200 in one week. When you look at the price tag, uh, $30 million comes nowhere near what this city is paying for a national problem. And more buses filled with migrants arriving here in the city over the weekend, many of them being processed at the Roosevelt Hotel in Midtown and then sent out to temporary shelters across the city. The city's commissioner of immigrant affairs telling CBS they're just completely overwhelmed now. We don't know if this is something we can sustain for much longer. In many ways, we have bailed out the federal government. They would have more of a crisis on their hands. They would have children, families sleeping in the streets if it was not for New York City stepping up. And the counties across the state, um, more of them saying, no, we do not want to take in the migrants. Suffolk County, the latest, an announcement from Suffolk County lawmakers met with some outbursts and some interruptions yesterday from people who want to take in the migrants. Uh, Suffolk County now going to hire an attorney to help stop New York City from placing migrants in hotels there. They made the announcement in front of these protesters. This is not an anti-immigration stance. We recognize... The lawmakers say they've been hearing from hotels that the city has contacted about sheltering migrants, hiring an attorney, the first step towards a lawsuit to make sure it doesn't happen. Several counties throughout the state have commenced litigation and successfully obtained temporary restraining orders. Our county executive has not signaled that he's prepared to take those actions. So it's similar to the rhetoric that we heard from officials in Rockland County. Uh, Ed Day there stopping the migrants from coming. Suffolk County wants to do the same. Although we have no direct contact with officials from New York City, 
We have heard through media reports they are contacting hotel owners on a regular basis throughout Suffolk County to house those unvetted immigrants and asylum seekers, thereby passing the cost of providing services to the taxpayers of Suffolk County. But not everybody in Suffolk County against it. You get the people on both sides. These people coming here and they think they're entitled. There's no entitlement. I got no entitlement. A level of hatred that I've heard in this room today, it's really um, upsetting. Watching Poughkeepsie up in Dutchess County, same thing. Bus rolls in, red roof in there. 60 migrants or 40 migrants get off the bus. Um, people welcoming there. The people who were at the hotel were there to welcome the migrants as they arrived. I'm reminded of the time during Jim Crow when my own family came from the south and migrated north for a better life and an opportunity. So I am in full support of that. And uh the hotel space here in this city, you know, so much of it has been taken by the migrants, and we've been having a lot of episodes like this one. Sean Cullen flies in from Minnesota, uh, drives out to the Holiday Inn in Long Island City uh, to get his check into his room. There's a note on the front door that says, due to unforeseen uh, circumstances, our property is not able to accommodate your reservation. He got no call. But it's filled with migrants. So uh, he had to sit in the lobby for hours trying to figure out where he was going to stay. And when checking in, I was greeted with staff in tears, uh, National Guard in the room, and advised that it's no longer a hotel and it's a government building. Yeah, so he says, what's going on? And he said it has to be going on for other people. And it's not good for tourism in the city if so many of the rooms are taken. It was awful. Awful for me. It was awful for my guests who flew from Australia, 38 hours to sit in a lobby for seven hours and no action from my HG. Yeah. Now, my impression of New York City is is that hotel and that experience. Yeah, and of course, this is the tourism season. It's just kicking in now. Uh, you see a lot more here. 40% of the rooms, that's one stat that's been thrown out there, are being used by migrants. Not good for the tourism industry as it tries to recover from all that downtime during the pandemic. All right, let's go on to something happier. A Boy Scout troop from Yorktown Heights and members of the community spending this weekend sprucing up grave markers at a cemetery in Shrub Oak. We are cleaning uh, graves and hopefully restoring them to a rightful condition before Memorial Day. I have pride for what these heroes have done for me, and I want to give it back to them by cleaning their graves. Boy Scout Troop 1776, cleaning, restoring... 48 civil and revolutionary war grave markers that are hundreds of years old. They went there with soap and whatever else it was to clean off these markers. Nice job done by those Boy Scouts. Uh, I think it's important to help out your community, especially a cause like this. It can't hurt to help clean up a graveyard. And a big weekend in Patterson, New Jersey. The newly renovated Hinchcliffe Stadium hosted its first baseball game in 26 years. It's right next to the Great Patterson Falls. Have you ever been to the Great Patterson Falls? It's really, it's the biggest waterfall uh, on the East Coast outside of Niagara Falls. People don't know that. But uh, so they hosted their first baseball game there in 26 years. The stadium used to host uh, games in the Negro League back in the day. And then it just fell apart. It's a beautiful stadium and uh, fell apart. And now it's beautiful again, thanks to the people who put it back together. Mayor Andre Sea, the mayor of Patterson, was there as they opened the stadium celebrating the big day. Not many cities across the country can say 
that they have a professional baseball team playing in a historic stadium, a stadium that stands out because it's one of only two in the country that hosted Negro League games. So when African-Americans were excluded from playing, they were prohibited from playing from in Major League Baseball, they played in Patterson. They had a home in Hinchliffe here in the 30s and 40s. So the Jersey Jackals who used to play at Yogi Berra Stadium now will play in Patterson at Hinchcliffe Stadium, which, by the way, is just a beautiful spot.